Baruch Atah Adinai Eloheinu Melech HaElam Shakayim Liyabidvarei Lachayim Agut Yamtif A happy Lag Baimer As we say in Yiddish Afrebuch and Lag Baimer It should be a Lag Baimer That brings about All the brachas and the blessings And Hashem should fulfill your heart's desires With all the beautiful good things For yourself and your loved ones Lachayim Lagbaimer is the day when the great sage of Judaism, Rab Shimon Bar Yochai, who lived in the second century, passed away. And as Jewish tradition has it, Jews all over the world, ever since then, especially in the holy city of Miron in Israel, where his holy resting place is, over a half a million Jews a year go to see his holy resting place. They dance, they celebrate. Sephardic Jews even bring animals and they make it kosher and they eat it, they barbecue. It's a beautiful holiday with bonfires and so on and celebrations and children. But if you stop and think for a second, you say to yourself, it's an interesting holiday. It's an interesting Yom Tif. Somebody passed away. It's the Hilula, the day of the passing of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. He passed away on the 33rd day of the Omer, which is the counting between the 50 days that exist between the holiday of Pesach of Passover and the holiday of Shavuos, the giving of the Torah and the Ten Commandments, which is 50 days later. And we're celebrating and we're dancing. And when you ask somebody, so what happened today? What's the cause of the celebration? And the answer is, well, don't you know? One of Judaism's greatest sages passed away on this day, so we're marking this day with dancing and celebration and music and barbecues and everything else. It's kind of a little bit, if I may use the word, seems on the outside a little bit strange. Clearly, there's something going on here. The practical reason why we do it is because Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai himself instructed that on the day of his passing, he is asking and requesting the day should be honored with joy and happiness and celebration. A very unique request. So we're honoring Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's request. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the author of the Zohar, the primary book of Jewish mysticism and Kabbalah, asks that on the day of his yardside, of his Ilula, you want to honor him? Please go and sing and dance and celebrate. Clearly that's something that's unusual. So from a Hasidic point of view, there's clearly a much different take on it, or I should say a deeper take on it, which goes something along the following lines. Living in the United States of America today, we all know that the world runs on marketing, on advertising, on billboards, Madison Avenue billboards, Madison Avenue marketing. But we also know that marketing and billboards and advertisements and enticing images of make, that make everything look so beautiful and delicious and sweet and great. And if you only have this product, your life's going to look so happy. And if you have that product and you buy this product, you're going to be the happiest person that ever lived. And then it turns out that reality is not necessarily that way. You may go and enjoy it at best for a short time. And in the short term, it'll work for you. But we all will admit, at least uh, as we mature, that it looked a lot better in the photograph. After I purchased the product, mm, it's not what I thought it would be. So in a sense, you have marketing versus reality. 
Which one is it? It's not fair to say that the marketing lied to you. It's a real picture. It's a real image. Whatever the product may be, we actually bought that image. We bought the product. Nobody forced us. We're living in a free country. And out of our free choice, we went out and we spent money. So clearly, there's something real about it. On the other hand, it seems so false, vain. It's a facade. It's unreal. It's plastic. So Jew Jewish tradition, starting from the times of Rabbi Shimon Yochai, introduced a concept that's called Nishmasa Da'iraisa, which means literally translated, the soul of the Torah. What does it mean, the soul of the Torah? Everything that we encounter in life, as it is explained in Chabad Hasidic philosophy, which takes a lot from the Zohar and elaborates and explains, in addition to the fact that it offers much of its own, but a lot of it is clearly quotations from the Zohar. And in Chabad philosophy we are taught that when you look at anything, whatever it may be, every single thing in existence has two primary components. There's two dimensions to it. There's what we call the body part and the soul part. Guf and neshama. What does that mean? Take for example a human being. You bump into a person that makes a very good impression. They have good looks. They're charismatic. They're intelligent. They're articulate. They're artistic. They're musical. They're funny. They're humorous. Whatever it is they're intellectual, whatever it is that's drawing your attention to that individual, from the outside facade packaging, very attractive. But as we all know, unfortunately, sometimes, as you start unwrapping the wrapper, you find out, well, come to think of it on second thought, the person is not the individual that you think they are, and the image that they are trying to project is clearly somebody else. They can be highly narcissistic, selfish, arrogant, self-centered, very not kind. What you thought and what you see and what's the reality are just not in sync. Something is wrong somewhere. That is because both things are true. The goof, the body element of the picture is correct. What you're seeing is true. You're not looking at an illusion. That is taking place in the real world but you're only looking on the outside, on the veneer, on the facade. But when you scratch a little deeper, and you dig a little deeper, you all of a sudden discover that there's much more to the picture than what you saw originally. And Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai specifically, and especially the book of his Zohar, which is documented writings and teachings, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai taught to his students, and it was documented... And for many, many hundreds of years after his passing, it was only transmitted from generation to generation, only amongst Kabbalists. It was only approximately 700 years ago that there was a Jew that decided to print it. And ever since then, the Zohar was published all over the world. And all Jews from all walks of life have an opportunity to study the wisdom of the Zohar. The word Zohar in Hebrew means to shine, to give light, to illuminate. As we say in the Ashkenazic pronunciation, Zayar. The Zayar is a book filled of light. What is light? In a word, light doesn't introduce anything new. There's nothing new in the room after you open up the switch and the light starts shining. 
versus what it was there before you opened up the lights. So why am I paying for lights? What's the point of electricity, of having light, when there's nothing changing in the room anyway? Well, the obvious answer is, that's true. But before the lights were on, I didn't see it. In other words, the light allows me to discover, to explore, to appreciate everything that was there, but it was simply hidden and concealed. And Rabbi Shimon Yochai was the one that said, don't look at the facade. If, if I may say it this way, I would say, Rabbi Shimon Yochai invented the x-ray machine for the soul. Says, Hold on a second, you meet a human being, take a deeper look. You meet yourself in the mirror, take a deeper look. You are worth much more than you give yourself credit for. As Rabbi Shneir Zalman, the founder of Chabad, speaks at length in chapter 32 of Tanya, which is based and linked very much, as he himself quotes from the book of the Zohar, which was written by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And there, Rabbi Shneir Zalman explains that the human being, because he's a composite of body and soul, is your decision. If you're vain and shallow, and you choose to evaluate and put a price tag on how much a person is worth, merely by what impression they make on the external side of their facade, their good looks, their riches, their wealth, whatever it is, their talents, that's what you're judging them by, then you're looking at best at 50% of the equation at best. You're looking at the externality. But if you choose to look deeper, if you use Rabbi Shimon Yochai's book of the Zohar, and you shed light, and you take a picture, an x-ray picture of the soul, and you penetrate on the inside, you're going to discover an entire different reality. Now obviously Judaism is not suggesting that there's a war between the outside and the inside, and we must learn to ignore the outside and only focus on the inside. If that's the case, we would have been better off just living upstairs in heaven before we were created and remain there as a soul similar to an angel without a physical body. Clearly, the art of a happy life is the fusion, the harmony, the synchronization between a body and a soul. And that's a challenge. That is an art. And that was what Rabbi Shemimur Yochai was trying to teach his students. Rabbi Shemimur Yochai was the one that taught Yisrael arevim zelazeh. Jews are responsible for one another. And he harped on that very, very much. In fact, until recently, I thought that this story that I always heard as a child was not necessarily a Jewish story, and thus in the last few days I came across a sefer, a, a book, which clearly states it's actually a quote and a story from Shemimur Yochai. As a child, I remember hearing the story of a few fellows that hired a captain of a boat, and they wanted to cross the river. And as they're crossing the, the river, obviously it takes some time, one of them got bored. So he took out a little handheld drill of some sort, and started out of boredom drilling himself a hole under his seat. As he's drilling his hole, one of his fellow passengers says to him, Hey, buddy, what are you doing? You're going to drown us all. Or he says, None of your business what I'm doing. We all divided the cost of this journey. We're paying the captain to take us across the river. This is my seat. And in my seat, I have the right to do whatever I want. So you can sit in your seat. I'm making a hole in my seat. Obviously, what does the fellow say? He says, Fool. Shaita Shabailam. You're a world-class fool. You're going to drown us all. You don't live in an independent bubble. We're all interdependent, and we're all helping each other to survive. 
And therefore, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai used the story and said, in real life, the Jewish people are arevim zelazeh. We are guarantors. We take responsibility one for another. Just take a look what's going on and you see the amazing response of how Am Yisrael, the Jewish people around the world, are responding to the darkness of this world, to the challenges, to health situations, and risking their lives for one another. Jews that never knew that the other one even exists, let alone, I didn't know he exists. People are willing to risk their lives, quite literally, and run out on a solo call or whatever it may be and help somebody, or even people just in the neighborhood, or phone calls and so on. It's amazing to see how the most beautiful part of human beings, of Am Yisrael, sometimes comes out I'm not saying it only comes out, God forbid, in, in, in hard times, but clearly, unfortunately, sometimes we see an amazing dimension that we never said. So, well, I never knew this guy such a nice person. Where does it come from? It's nothing new. It's not virus-oriented. It's not as a result of the virus. It was hidden. Except now the light switch went on, the engines are roared up, and now that the engine is working, you're beginning to see a very different reality. So let's take, for example, three basic situations in life where we clearly see that it's not about the size of the body. It's about the individual and how much you love and care that person, for that person. Let's take, for example, babies and senior citizens. I think we would all agree that babies and elderly senior citizens have very weak bodies in comparison to their peers. Young people are strong and vibrant and healthy. Babies are weak and vulnerable. They were just born. They don't have strength. Senior citizens, unfortunately, became weak as they aged. The aging process. Yet, the deepest loves sometimes in life, who doesn't love a baby? You don't have to know the baby. You're walking down the aisle in the supermarket and some, somebody is pushing a, a carriage and you see a, a cute baby, you don't have to know the person. There's something in your heart that automatically gives... You have a smile on your face. It's a door, an adorable child. And the same thing with a senior citizen. The moment you see an elderly person needs to cross the street, everybody's willing to help. Why don't they ask people that are 20, 30, 40, 50, 60? They don't seem to offer help in those situations. They also need help. There's something about the baby and the a senior citizen that elicits, that reveals, that acts as a Zohar, as a light, to shine and bring forth all of the beauty that was hidden on the inside. Clearly, it's not a body issue. To the contrary, because from a body point of view, they have small and weak bodies. It's a soul. There's a neshama. In Yiddish, there's an expression, azisa neshama, sweet soul. It doesn't even translate well because it's not about the body. There's something about the person that's sweet and I can't take a photograph of it. It's their character, it's their personality, it's who they are. It's the sweetness that's coming from the inside. To take a second analogy, as we all know, if anybody here has ever been to, uh, I remember as a child when we used to go to Kennedy Airport to greet relatives that came from Israel and then from Russia and other places, and you're watching at the International Arrivals Building, and you see there... Both directions, people coming and people going. Today, Kennedy Airport changed a little bit, but in those days, they had a special international arrivals building. And you watch people standing there, those that are saying goodbye to loved ones that are leaving, they fall on each other, and they're hugging each other. 
you say to yourself, why are you squeezing the person's back? Does that somehow express more that you care for them? If you're going to squeeze the muscles of their back, is that a proof that you care more for them? Verbalize it. The verbalization doesn't help. There's a limit how many words we can say. Even a handshake is insufficient. Even a kiss is insufficient. I need to give my loved one, my child is leaving, I got to give the kid a hug. I can't just sit here on a chair and say goodbye. If you have a heart, you give a hug. That's what a hug is all about. It's about touching the soul. It's not about touching the physicality only. For that, a handshake and perhaps even a kiss would be sufficient. Money. Does anybody look at a $100 bill and say, wow, what a beautiful piece of paper. It's incredible. I would love to have so many green pieces of paper with those letter one, number one, and two zeros. It makes me feel good. That's the body of the paper. It doesn't mean much. It's the soul of the paper. The paper has a soul. The paper is saying, don't look at me as a piece of paper, which is the reason why you come to an immature person, come to a young child that's one or two years old, and say to him, here's a, a suitcase full of $100 bills, and here's a box full of ice cream, potato chips, and, and sweets and candies. You can pick between the two. It's going to be very hard, you know, by Moses, by Meshach Rabbeinu, it says he had the wisdom to make the distinction. But the average young child is going to say, why are you offering packs of paper? Who needs paper? I would like all the nash, all the sweets, all the food. Why? Because the child is too immature at this point in life to realize that it's not about the looks of what you're seeing. It's about its value. And if you want to discover the value, you have to dig a little bit deeper. And in that sense, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai came along and he simply revolutionized the entire world. Certainly the Jewish world and certainly Hasidic world, but that joy over, spills over to every aspect of life. When Lagba Omer comes around, we are basically saying, thank you, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, we're celebrating your day, in addition to all of your holiness, obviously, and your greatness, but your revolution is, you gave me meaning in life. It's because of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai that we can look, Jews can look at any situation and say, hold on a second, look deeper. What's on the other side of the equation? How do I turn a sinking situation into a profit? Well, if I buy it on a low and I do something, I can make a tremendous profit. This is all calculations of the mind, seeing the depth of the value. And therefore, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is a day that we celebrate with absolute joy. Take, for example, dancing. When a person is very happy, a person dances. I say to you, excuse me, sir, why are you moving your feet? I understand that something, an idea is in your head and you're inspired. I understand your heart is full of joy. But what's the connection between your heart filled with joy and your mind enjoying a concept and you kicking your feet to the floor? We would all say, that's a very shallow way of looking at dancing. It's not about hitting the floor, dancing on the floor. It's that the joy of my soul is spilling over and permeating the entirety of my body, that the voltage, the electricity, the enthusiasm, the happiness is overtaking me, and as such, I need an outlet. I need a, I need a physical outlet to express the joy of the soul. And that's why in Jewish tradition, when you want to find happiness, the first place you, you start with is soul-based happiness. 
because body-based happiness is not going to last very long no matter what type of pleasure you're going to give it. It's limited, it's finite. It only has a very short duration in its life, whatever pleasure you're going to try. An ice cream for a child only lasts for a few minutes, just to use one example. On the other hand, joy of the soul, of connecting to someone that you really love, taking a little child and picking up an infant and giving the child a hug and an embrace, little children love the attention. You've never met yet a baby that becomes bored of attention. The baby takes a nap and is looking for somebody to play with the baby and give him attention and so on and so forth. Children are enamored. Why are they so excited? Because they're pure, they're innocent. They understand what to appreciate. It's not that because they're not mature enough in a certain sense. It's because they are so perfect and they're so pure and innocent and unblemished. They're still the way the manufacturer produced them before we messed it up, so to speak. It has the original settings. God's soul that's housed inside each child as at his birth or his birth is shining so pure that the child is yearning for love, for attention, for affection. That's the beauty of real happiness. So on the day of Lag Boimer, going back to our opening question, why do Jews sing and dance on Lag Boimer? Because on Lag Boimer we begin to realize and appreciate don't be caught up in the pettiness of the externalities. So the person insulted you, so apologize, make amends. Let life be sweet. Don't destroy it over silly pettiness in every context. Whatever the challenge may be, whether it's financial, emotional, psychological, if you're going to deal with the issue with a little more of depth, then you can, you can turn any situation into happiness. But for that, you have to be willing to dig a little deeper. As Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, the founding father of Chabad, actually writes that the sign of an immature person who lacks das, a true sense of maturity, is a person that doesn't know how to forgive. Why doesn't a person know how to forgive? Because they're not mature. So they can only deal with the facts of the past, and they're stubbornly holding on to it as if that's sacred. What are you holding on to it? You're right. Nobody's disputing your facts. But if the facts are correct, let's move on and let's bring sweetness, reveal more sweetness into a situation that's dark. Let's turn on the lights. Why do we have to remain in darkness? There is a solution. Turn on the lights. It's as simple as that. It's a light switch. And that is all thanks to Rav Shem Bar Yochai. So therefore Jewish tradition is we celebrate Rav Shem Bar Yochai. And we are happy on this day. Then came along the Baal Shem Tov many centuries later, the founding father of the Hasidic movement. And he took the Baal Shem Tov's teachings to a completely new level. And the Baal Shem Tov said, let me just quote two, three, or maybe touch on the four short ideas of the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov was a young child when he was born in the Ukraine. The Baal Shem Tov was an orphan. Of course he was a young child, that was a slip of the tongue. Uh, I think every baby is born young. But the Moshemtev was a young child when he was in the Ukraine. He was four or five years old. And his mother had to unfortunately bring him in to say goodbye to his dying father, Rabbi Eliezer. The Moshemtev at the time was known as Yisrael. That was his Jewish Hebrew name, Yisrael. But they called him affectionately Yisraelik. That's how the Yiddish terminology is of affection. And little Yisraelik, who was only four or five years old, unfortunately came to say goodbye to his father, who was having his last moments on this world until Moshiach comes. 
And his father said to him in Yiddish, My son, my dear son, my entire son, I'm asking you for two, two requests, please. These are the parting words of an elderly father to a young four or five year old little boy. Fear nobody except for Hashem, except for the one God of Israel. You have nothing to be worried about. Talk to your Father in Heaven, and our loving Father in Heaven will always listen to you, no matter what the circumstances are. Nobody can separate the two of you. Absolute faith. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, as we say it in, in, in our prayers. But the Valshemto's Father said it to him in simple Yiddish, please don't be afraid of anybody except for Hashem Himself, for God Himself. And the second thing he said to him, promise me please, that you're going to, lo- you're going to love every member of Am Yisrael, every single Jewish person, man, woman, and child, unconditionally. And he, con- and he concluded in the Yiddish, with the entire flame of fire in your heart. In other words, love every Jew for who they are, regardless of making any judgments, without trying to find faults, just love them for who they are. And he passed away. The Baal Shem Tov grew up to be, little Yisrael, Yisrael grew up to be the founding father of the Hasidic movement. And he introduced Hasidism, which later evolved into Hasidus Chabad, the Chabad movement, through his students, student Rav Shneir Zalman, who, who took most of his teachings from his teacher, the Magid of Mizrich, the teacher of Mizrich, and the Baal Shem Tov said, let me share with you, he said, just a few quotes of the Torah, and let's change the perspective of how we look and view each other. There's one verse in the Torah that says, God says, you are my beloved children. Why does God say you are my child? Because the bond between a parent and a child is unbreakable. It's eternal. The child is only an expression of the parent. Without the parents, the child has no existence. So it's inseparable. No matter what happens, you cannot separate at the core of their reality this loving relationship. And even if you try to cover it, eventually it has to be uncovered because it runs contrary to the truth. Said the Baal Shem Tov, no matter which Jew you meet, because every single Jew, boy and girl, has inside of them a godly soul, a chelek alakami mal mamish, literally a part of God as he chooses to manifest it in a physical body, then when you're seeing another member of the Jewish family, another Jewish man, another Jewish woman, another Jewish boy, another Jewish girl, you're not looking at body, you're looking actually at, at, at part of God as manifest in a physical body. And therefore, since you on the inside also have a soul, which means you also possess a part of Hashem's existence within you, so then the two of you share the same parent, the same Father in Heaven. That makes you brothers and sisters. If that makes you brothers and sisters, then you have a natural blood love and a blood connection, one for another. It's not a foreign person that you're being introduced to and trying to make friends with. It's my brother and my sister. We are inseparable. It says the Baal Shem Tov, remember that. Then the Baal Shem Tov quoted a Zohar, actually from the teachings of Rabbi Shemim Bar Yochai, which we are celebrating Lag Bomer. And Rabbi Shemim Bar Yochai teaches three amazing, powerful words in Aramaic. Rachmana, 
which means the compassionate one, liba, the heart, ba'i, desires and wants. God wants heart. What does that mean? As we mature in life, we all appreciate, it's not the hug that you want. You wouldn't walk over to a friend, you know, somebody in your office, or somebody in the street and say, can I please give you a hundred dollar bill? Just give me a hug. Why would I want somebody to hug me? It's meaningless. But when somebody is not paid to give you a hug, and you don't ask your child, can I pay you to hug you? Or could you pay me to hug you? Whichever way you want to put it. But it's a genuine expression of love, then the hug is priceless. Why is that? Because it's not about the physical externalities. It's that the hug is an expression of the deeper love from the inside. Says the Baal Shem Tov, quoting Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, do we really fool ourselves into thinking that we're going to trick Almighty God in heaven? We're going to pretend, we're going to come to shul, to synagogue, so to speak, and pretend that we are something that we're not, and sing His praises when God takes a peek in our hearts and He says, who are you kidding? I, I see what's going on on the inside. I have an x-ray machine. If that's the case, says the Baal Shem Tov, when you're looking of how to make God happy, don't focus so much, are you the greatest scholar out there? That's not the question that's God, looking, that's God is looking for. Don't focus on you the richest man that happens to have the most money so he can give bigger checks for charity. Obviously, if he's making more money, he can give larger checks. That's not the question. If they're stronger, they can help more people. That's not the question. The Baal Shem Tov says God is looking for one question and one answer. So how's your heart doing? What number do I register inside your heart? Do you love me? We say in Shema. God says to, the, to us, do you love me? And we're commanded to think about that. In other words, God is looking, once again, as Rabbi Shemar Yechai t- teaches, for the soul of Judaism, not just the external body. Not to belittle the body, God forbid. The, the body of the Jew is holy, which is the reason we shouldn't talk about it on, on a happy day. But after 120 years, there are holy rituals of how we give the body its final respects and so on and make sure that everything is done properly. So absolutely, the body plays a very important and critical role. Without the body, the soul is, is basically an angel floating. But having said that, the beauty of the body is that it allows the soul to find expression and using the body to do good things in the world, not the reverse. It's not that the soul is a servant to the body and the body can use the life to behave like an animal. To the contrary. The soul teaches the body how to live a happy, sweet, good life. So the body gives off good smell, so to speak, an aroma, light, happiness, and makes an impact on their environment. Like the name of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's book, Zohar, that shines and brings light and illumination to everything that's around it. The Baal Shem Tov had two more basic teachings, which are, one is the, the Tanakh teaches us, that the Jewish people are God's chosen piece of property. What does it mean, a chosen piece of property? You know, in the United States, we, we know there are certain pieces of property that are quite expensive. You try to buy a half an acre of land in, in Manhattan, you're going to pay an endless amount of money. If you can even successfully find it, an empty acre of land, I don't think it even exists for sale. And then you can go somewhere upstate, and you can find an acre of land for relatively peanuts. So what is it? It's because when you dig down, 
deep into the land. What's the compliment here? That you're a piece of land? The deeper you dig, the more treasures you're going to discover. As we say, there's always water deep down. So if a smart aleph comes along and says, I've proven everybody wrong. I've been digging in my backyard for weeks and months and even years. I didn't hit any water, so I guess it's, it's a fairy tale. There's no water down there. Everybody's going to say to him, I'm sorry, but you're a fool. You just didn't dig deep enough. But clearly there's water because you didn't dig deep down enough. The same is true, says the Baal Shem Tov, when we're talking about the love of God to the Jewish people, and by extension, the Jewish people, one to another. You know, they say that the Jewish people today are approximately somewhere between 14, 15, and 18 million Jews, depending on which numbers you look, from the world population. The world population is close to 8 billion. If you try to do the math, Jews are less than 0.1 of a percent of the world's population. You would never know it from the amount of attention that the media gives the Jews in Israel, but certainly we're less than 0.1 in the numbers. But having such small numbers doesn't tell the whole story. We're, the, we're less than the margin of error in the Chinese census. But we're the largest family on planet Earth. There is no more beautiful family on planet Earth than the Jewish nation. We look out for each other as a family. It's a family that's 17 million strong. That is amazing. What makes us a family? Why is it that when a Jew, God forbid, hears that somebody in Israel was hurt or something, your heart feels a pinch? You're in pain. Why did I just hear that? It's because although I don't know who it is, but I just heard one of my brothers and sisters possibly got hurt. That hurts me. And when I see videos and clips of a Jew that I never knew exists even, and I see an Atzala ambulance pull up and bring them back from the hospital, and they're going back to their home, and thank God they're alive, your eyes well up with tears. So what are you so excited? Why are you so happy? You don't even know the guy existed. You didn't know this person ever lived. So what difference does it make if they're... I just found out that my brother and sister survived. That's a celebration. All of these teachings are the Baal Shem Tov's teachings, and they have their source and origin in the book of the Zohar of Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai. And just one more note from the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov, which has a lot to do with what's going on in current events. The Baal Shem Tov says a Jew is never alone. As a matter of fact, humanity is never alone. The world is never alone. Because by divine providence, our Father in Heaven is always with us in every single step of our lives. Why? We don't see it, but even modern science admits, if you talk to any physicist, or read any book about it, basically the atom bomb is just the ability of tuning into the energy that exists within matter. So the physical existence, the physical camera that I'm recording this on right now, is not really physical. It's actually energy. But for that, you have to look deeper. Divine providence means look beyond the physicality, the materialism. And you will discover there is an energy behind it. Where does that energy come from? What is that energy at its highest level and its source? That is God's presence right there in front of your eyes. That's what we're looking at, except that it's disguised. So to us, it looks like a piece of plastic. But I don't see God's hand inside the, 
in, in, inside the glove. So I'm assuming I'm only looking at plastic, but little do I realize that behind it, there is a puppeteer, as they say, pulling the strings. But if I realize that, even if I can't see it with my eye, but I can see it with the eye of my mind, then I realize, wait a second, I, it looks like I'm in trouble. But I have good news. There's somebody right here with me that can handle the whole situation. I'm not alone. Relax. Take a deep breath. It's true. It's not pretty out there. But don't think you're all alone. As a matter of fact, the one that's walking right with you is the one that created all of this. And this individual, our Father in Heaven, has the control buttons to do whatever he wants to. That's called in Yiddish, Hashgacha Pratis, Divine Providence. So when we recognize that we're never alone, and that everything that happens in life is orchestrated by our Father in Heaven, then certainly our comfort level is much, much stronger. Comes along the Rebbe in our generation, and the Rebbe says to us, I see with divine vision, in Hebrew known as Ruach HaKodesh, I see with Nevoah, I see it as a prophecy, as an accurate fact, that the day of Mashiach's coming is imminently going to happen. Now what does that mean? When you open up the last chapter and the very last two paragraphs of Maimonides' writings regarding what Mashiach is in his book, Maimonides describes Mashiach is the time when the lights are going to be turned on, when the beauty of God's world is going to be revealed, revealed, when the world is going to be rid of any illness, sickness, competition, war, basically anything negative is just going to disappear. As we say in the Hebrew prayers of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, all impurities will be gone. Death will disappear forever. We're never going to have that again. Why? Because once God reveals all the secret beauty that was there all along, like the waters in the ocean cover the bottom of the, of the ocean floor, it's been always been there, you just never knew that it existed. But there's lots of life inside the ocean, it's just your eyes can't see through the water. But obviously we understand there's marine life, there's a whole world that's taking place under the waters of the ocean. So the Rebbe says to us, hold on, just like the six days of creation are followed by the happiest day of the week, which is Shabbos, the day of Shabbat, when we make Kiddush and we sanctify the day and we begin to see the pleasure and the joy of what God just created in the last six days, so too will that day come. We were able to look back and say, you see all of that pain that we went through? As the Rebbe writes that since he was a child, he's imagining how in the world is God going to compensate? What is it that God has already that will compensate to the Jewish people all of the pain and suffering that we went through since the beginning of our history. But clearly, the Jewish people, as we say in Tanakh, I will praise you God, even though you put me through difficult times. It's because, says the Rebbe, we're about, we're on the cusp, we're about to see this moment of revelation. We're about to turn on the lights, and suddenly you're going to discover you're in a room full of treasures, and everything that you wanted is right in front of you. But the keys are in our hands. And says the Rebbe, what's the most important key? Bring light to the Nitzutz Mashiach within you. In, in, in English that would mean Nitzutz is a spark of Mashiach within us. What's the spark of Mashiach in us? 
spark of Mashiach in us is going back to the whole thing that we're discussing here. The theme of what Rabbi Shem Yochai is teaching is there's much more to the picture than what meets the eye. There's much more to you and to me, to every single one of us, than what meets the eye. There's so much more beauty and value and goodness, happiness, celebration, positivity, talent, abilities, that God gifted each and every single one of us, and most importantly, that God gifted us, that we have a part of God Himself inside of us. In other words, in in this context, by using God's energy, if I swipe God's credit card, and I shop with God's credit card, I can shop infinitely, because I don't want out of line of credit. God never goes bankrupt. So if God has sufficient funds, and I'm being exposed and allowed to celebrate God's credit card, then clearly... That is something that will bring me so much happiness that I will be able to do and discover everything that I never knew existed about myself. I can actualize, not as an arrogant person says, self-actualization. I'm here, I want to make the biggest impact so people give you attention or give me attention. Rather, God gave me a mission. My people are waiting for me. Am Yisrael is waiting for me to actualize my share. The army is waiting for me to do my part so we can win the war. That's the case. I can win the war for the entire Jewish people. My entire extended Jewish family is going to benefit from my doing my final shear, my little part. That's an inspiring message. That's what the Rebbe is telling us. Discover and unleash the spark of Mashiach with inside of me and you. And when we do that, we will certainly merit to see a world of goodness. And therefore, in the Zohar, it states, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai said that heaven revealed to him with your book, the Jews are going to greet Mashiach's times. What does that mean? In simple English, it means what it says. We're going to go greet Mashiach with your book. What's the message here? The message is, the theme of your book and the theme of Mashiach are synonymous. Because the theme of your book is the revelation of the beauty and the goodness that was always there, but you didn't see it. The theme of Mashiach is, here is a world of beautiful existence, beautiful life, with all the goodness that you ever wished and you couldn't even imagined, and now it's being revealed, essentially we're opening up a new book, a new light, a new life full of happiness. So the, the Zohar of Rashbi and the world of Mashiach, in that sense, are synonymous, which is the reason why the Talmud says, Rabbi Shimon is worthy. You can trust him, rely on him. That if you're in a difficult squeeze, in a difficult spot, and you need God's help to pull you out, rely on the power and the holiness of Rav Shimon to advocate on your behalf. So on this happy day, please allow me to say L'chaim with you. May Hashem grant you, amongst all of Am Yisrael, Hashem should give you all the things that your heart desires, in good health, in happiness, and may the Jewish people amongst all of humanity. Because by extension, the Jewish people don't only worry about their family, they worry about all of humanity, since we are all the creations of God, that God should bring peace, harmony, and happiness and good health to all of us, and we should merit to sing and dance and greet the coming of Mashiach by doing acts of goodness and kindness and making that day come a moment earlier, speedily in our very own days. The Chaim and a good Yamtif and a happy Lagbomer to you.